Thanks for listening to our Legacy Church podcast. We hope that today's message helps you in your walk with Christ and you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.legacychurchri.com. Well, today, I want to talk about the in-between time of a before and after story. The in-between time of a before and after story. You know, everyone loves before and after stories. That's why the diet industry spends millions upon millions of dollars providing you before and after stories. Hi, I'm Samantha. I know I don't look like Samantha. I'm with Jenny Craig. I lost 16 pounds for only $16 in my first month. Hi, I'm Samantha. You don't like Jenny Craig? I'm with Nutrisystem. Get a fresh start. Lose up to 13 pounds. Not only lose pounds, you're going to lose 7 inches in your first month. I always say to myself, are they talking about height? (laughs) If you don't like Nutrisystem, hi, we'll figure this out. I'm Samantha. Different station. I'm with Medi Weight Loss. Let's put medicine, medical in the name. You'll lose 20 pounds in your first month. And they spend millions upon millions, six, not millions, $60 billion a year is spent on weight loss products because of a before and after story. But then you look at these stories and say, hey, why don't I look like Samantha? Why don't I look like that guy? Like, where are my abs? You know, I have abs, okay? But they're hidden. You just can't see them. They're a little bit hidden. But you look at these before and after stories, and what we fail to realize is that there's an in-between story. There's an in-between story. We fail to realize the work, the discipline, the suffering, the denying, the accountability. You don't see that personal trainer that's hiding behind the screen. You don't take into consideration that before you can receive the after, the after story, the after party, you have to go through the in-between. And what's interesting is the Bible is filled with before and after stories. But the the most sensational, powerful parts that we learn from are the in-between stories. So it starts all the way from Abraham, and you look at Moses. You know, we see Moses, and what do you think of? You think of Moses parting the Red Sea. And for some of you older people, you think of Charlton Heston. Some of you young people have no clue who Charlton Heston is. The greatest story ever told. But you look at Moses, and you look at his story, and everything that happened in Moses' life that brought him to the great day of parting the Red Sea was a struggle, was a challenge. He was born in struggle. The minute he was born, they wanted to kill him. Pharaoh was killing all the, the male children, firstborn children. His poor parents... To save his life, they put him in a river. 
in a basket. And by the grace of God, in God's control of things, he ends up being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Amazing. Amazing story. But that doesn't end there. So he becomes an Egyptian. Becomes part of the world. You know, Egypt is a type of the world. The world we're living in. And you see, Moses becomes an Egyptian, and then God has to take this mighty man and break him down for him to become who God wants him to be. So he puts, God puts Moses in the desert for 40 years because he had to take the world off of him. We see David as the king, King David. He wrote the Psalms. We still sing Psalms thousands of years later. A lot of the songs that we sing are written by David. His words are in Scripture. The amazing man that we talk about, David. But what did David go through? He had to learn how to kill a a lion, kill a bear. He was set aside by his family, thrown off in the backwoods to care for the sheep. And then we see David hunted like a dog by King Saul, living in caves and depressed Many of the Psalms were written in David's depression. He was depressed. Where's God? The in-between story. We don't like to go through that in-between time, but that's where we are made. We're made. And we can go on and on and on. Joseph. Joseph, you know, left for death by his own brothers, his own siblings. Imagine that. Imagine the rejection. Then he's put in prison. Joseph, who ends up becoming second in command to Pharaoh. God had to bring him into between times to put him in a place where he would save the nation of Israel from starvation. But he had to go through the in-between time. Mary, the prostitute, who we see Jesus showing up to resurrection time. And we see Mary, who was beloved of Jesus, was a disciple of Christ. Jesus came and he liberated women. Religion kept them in bondage. Jesus comes and liberates them. Not only does he liberate them, he takes the worst of the worst. He takes a prostitute. So here's Mary suffering prostitution, rejection, abuse to become the Mary that we love written about in the Bible. And then Jesus himself did not show up as a king. He came in a manger. He came in a time that was difficult. He came in a time where, again, the devil wanted to kill him. Herod sends off his, his army to go kill all the, the firstborn males. And here's Jesus escaping his life. Rejected by mankind, the Bible says. He was broken. He was abused. They spit at him. They ripped out his beard. They tried to kill him. That was the in-between story. We celebrate Jesus as the risen king, the Lord of lords, the majestic king who overcame death in the grave. But Jesus overcame the in-between story as well. So we see all this in the Bible, and I look around the church, and, I, and, and every day when I pray for you guys and pray for the church, you know, God shows me faces, and I say, thank you, Jesus. 
another life that has been rescued, another life that has gone, you know, the before life, and here's the afterlife. And I thank God they made it through the in-between. They made it when the devil was trying to stop them. They made it. They become victors in Christ. They've overcome the in-between time. You know, we sing the uh, song Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace is a song about the before and after. It really is. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. But something happened between being lost and found being blind and see. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about that in-between time. And one of the greatest contemporary stories of the time in between the before, brokenness, loss, and after victory, is do you remember Super Bowl 51? Come on, do you remember 51? Patriots down 28 to 3. The third quarter against the Atlanta Falcons. Commentators, sports experts said, it's impossible. Impossible. They can't win. And some of you fans went to bed. You should be ashamed of yourself. Never quit. You know, it's in the between stages of life. When you're climbing up the mountain, when you're going through difficulty, tragedy, challenges, and pain, when loss appears imminent, when loss appears imminent, you need to take a stronghold of God because he will always bring you to victory. He will always bring... Come on, let's cheer for Jesus this morning. He's more important than the Patriots, amen? You know, write this down if you're taking notes. It's in the impossible, in the improbable. When victory doesn't seem possible, God is designing your tomorrow, and he's building your testimony. God is always at work in us. In the good and in the not so good, God is at work in us. So today I want to focus on what it takes to get through the in-between stages of life And uh, there's going to be three things that I want to point out that happen in between the before and after parties, okay? And But I want to read this passage of Scripture in the book of Luke, verse 1 through 13. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor over these kingdoms. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Then Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point. Interesting. The devil always leads you to the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will commend his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. But three things that happen in between the before and after times of life. Number one, you are taken. You're taken by life. You're taken by God. You're taken even by the enemy into situations and seasons in life. You cannot escape life. You cannot escape it. You cannot escape this world. We are in it. But God will take you places into situations. The devil will take you places into situations. And just life, what is common to man, will take you places and situations. David, as I mentioned earlier, was reduced to living in a cave. Job, we all know the story of Job, he was taken to a place of great suffering. Great suffering. You'd say he was a righteous man. He would love the God. He was so righteous that when the devil came to, to, to God, it was God who said, have you considered my servant Job? And then Jesus, we know, as we read, he was brought to the de desert by the Holy Spirit. Because it's in these transition times, it's in the between times, that your faith is developed. Where you learn to understand who you are, how you think, who is God to you, who your allegiance is to. See, Jesus' allegiance was being challenged here. His faith was being challenged here. Even Jesus, because he was whole man, holy man and holy God. But, you know, it's interesting um, in this passage of Scripture is that the devil always took Jesus to a high point. God will use the low times of your life to develop you. And Satan will use the high times of your life to tempt you. Listen to this. Because the low times of your life are usually when you're the most humble. Are usually when you're open to God's voice. But the high times of your life are usually when you're most prideful. And that's what the devil is attracted to. Number two, in the between time, you are tested. One of the things you're tested by is time itself. You know, time will test you. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience. Not many people have patience. I know that's an area of weakness for me, is patience. So time will test you. And what's sad is that people will miss their very inheritance because they will not wait on the Lord. They'll miss their advancement. They'll enter into bad relationships. Single people? They'll enter into bad relationships because they will not wait on the Lord. 
God, you're taking too long. I think we've all said that, right? God, you're taking too long. So time will test you. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a time for everything. See, there is a time for everything. Can we trust God enough? When time tests us, I'll read this next scripture. When time tests us, we stick with God. We stick with his ways. We stick with his plan. Because there's a season for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. But Isaiah says, 40, verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings on eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's so many people that I know of that have lived by this principle of not allowing time and God's delay for making them have an Ishmael. Okay? Jumping out in their flesh, doing something that they know they shouldn't do, entering a relationship that they know they shouldn't enter. And I tell you, and some people have waited a long time. You know, a couple of girls that, you know, we love, they're like our, our daughters, spiritual daughters, one, and one's like a, a very close friend of the family. They've waited a long time for their, their knight in shining armor to come. But when he came, he was truly a knight in shining armor. When he came, God's hand was on it. Everyone started rejoicing. Oh my, this is God. This has to be God. Thank God you waited. Thank... Is God God or isn't he? Don't let time fool you. Here's another thing that will test you is your pride. Your motivation will test you. If you have a need for stature, that will test you versus God's will. The devil said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Come on. He's trying to appeal to Jesus' pride. Appeal to your carnal nature. You know, Look how gifted you are. You should be this and you should be that. You know, why are people holding you back? This happens in the world, right? And in the church. Because the devil will appeal to your carnal nature. And let me say this, sad state of the, the church. Even people that are supposed to be spiritual will try to appeal to your carnal nature to take advantage of you and use you for their service, ultimately. Be careful. You cannot allow pride and wrong motivation to rule you. You have to stick with the Word of God, the principles of God, which we'll get into. Amen? Because First Peter says, God opposes the proud. God will oppose you. I'd hate to be on that side when God is opposing you because of your pride. And, but he shows favor to the humble. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And it reminds me, stay humble. Stay humble. You want to be on God's side, right? Stay humble. Amen? And then the third thing that will test you is circumstances. Life will test you. You know, when things aren't easy, you'll be tested. You know, Satan told Job to kill himself. What's interesting is um, it was Job's wife 
that said in Job 2.9, do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Because Job maintained his integrity. He trusted even in all his suffering. He trusted in God's purpose. He trusted in God's goodness. He trusted in God's character. He knew who God was. Now listen. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God, he's up on a high place, throw yourself down from here. He's telling Jesus, kill yourself. Kill yourself. Throw yourself down from here. Job, kill yourself. Kill yourself. You know why? Because the devil knows that if you make it through this in-between time, you are his worst nightmare. You are his worst nightmare. This is where God's making your testimony. And the devil has read the book. He knows Revelation chapter 12. Oh no, they're going to defeat me. I know the blood of the Lamb has already been shed, but now the Bible says they're going to defeat me by the word of their testimony. I have to stop them in the between time. I can't let them make it to the after story, the after party. Circumstances. Number three, you're tempted. You're tempted. You're tested, number two. Number three, you're tempted. You're tempted by weaknesses of the flesh. The flesh is wicked, the Bible says. The Bible says that there's a constant war that goes on within us. It's the flesh, the carnal nature, which the Bible says you have to learn to beat that thing up. That thing will always tell you to do things that are opposed to God. Your flesh will always have unbelief. The spirit part of you that loves Jesus wants to thrive in faith. Your flesh will always contradict the spirit. And that's why the Bible says, beat that part of you up. Okay? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because I know there's a part of me that's opposed to God. I already know it. That's what Jesus died for. That's what he's saving me from. But I also know that I have a free will. And the God and the enemy are constantly working in my life. And I have the free will to choose who I'm going to listen to. That's what free will is. You know, God has given you a free will to be able to choose who you will listen to. The Holy Spirit's, even before you're saved, the Holy Spirit's trying to reach you. Trying to reach you. Get to church. You need Jesus. You need to change your life. You need to change your life. The devil is saying, no, you're good. That's a bunch of baloney. You're good. You're good. You're good. And God in his love says, I love you so much, you choose. That's free will. You choose. Do you want me? Or do you just want to follow your carnal nature and the devil? And so you're tempted. You know, and you're also tempted by opportunity. Opportunity, many times, is the greatest temptation. Judas was tempted by opportunity. It just wasn't, you know, the 30 pieces of silver. There was a lot more going on. You know, he thought that Jesus was his ticket for his ideology to destroy Rome. 
to come against Rome, to set themselves free. So here's our ticket. You know, there's opportunity here. You know, and also religious opportunity. The Pharisees hated Jesus. They were esteemed by everybody. So here's Judas thinking opportunity maybe to be esteemed. Maybe it's pride. And it's interesting that Judas is always listed last. When the disciples' names are mentioned in the Synoptic Gospel, his name is always last. You know why? Because Judas Judas didn't have a close relationship with Jesus. He was part, but he wasn't close to Jesus. And Judas is never quoted as calling Jesus Lord. Think about this. Because Jesus was not his Lord. When Jesus is your Lord, you say, yes, sir. I obey, sir. Whatever you ask of me, sir. I'm submitted, sir. You are my authority, sir. And the only dialogue recorded with Jesus and Judas is Jesus rebuking Judas for his greed. And then Judas denying he betrayed Jesus. And then his actual denial. We don't want a Judas spirit. Amen? See, Judas failed to go in in between, to make the in-between time. Because I guarantee you that, you know, he had a free will. And, you know, there's a plan that God has. God sees everything. He already knows what's going to happen. But Judas failed in the in-between time. So the Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? God has given us power to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I want to give us four things that you need for victory in your life. To get through the in-between time. Four things that will help you in the challenges of this in-between time. To get to the fulfillment of your testimony. To get to fulfillment of victory in different stages and seasons of life. To get to victory when circumstances are challenging you. To get to victory when God is testing you. Because you will be tested because God wants you not to stay in kindergarten faith. He needs you to lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. All right? He needs you to believe and pray prayers of faith that people can get delivered and healed, that you can see your prayers answered. He wants you getting through this in-between time. Number one, to get to victory, and we know this with the Patriots, you need a good coach. (laughs) You need a good coach. Now, God has given us the greatest coaches. He's given you the Holy Spirit who talks to you. You just have to listen. He's usually the stillest voice. He's given you the Bible. He's given you pastors. He's given you a locker room. This is our locker room, people. Okay? We're getting instructed. How do we win? How do we have victory? Church is our locker room. Be on time. Belichick would never allow us being late for church. Okay. Be on time for church. Receive. Like I always say, take notes. Apprehend. Grow in God. Because people throw off constraint. We are in a time like I've never seen in my life on this earth of great lawlessness. 
There's no respect for anything. There's no respect for police. There's no respect for authority. And it's being pushed. It's being pushed. Let it not deceive us. We honor our mothers and fathers. We honor authority. Come on. We honor authority. We honor our teachers. We obey. I remember teaching my kids. Hey, kids, if you're running around the church and the porters say, you know, I don't want you running here. I don't want you running there. The porter tells you to sit down. You better obey them. I don't want you to ever say, well, my dad's a pastor. Because if I hear that, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. You better obey. You better obey your teachers. Obey. Don't come to us when you're in trouble because we're going to back the teacher. We live in a world, everyone backs the kid. Don't you remember who you were? Wake up. Smell the coffee. Don't you know your kid's a sinner? Some parents think their kids can't do no wrong. Let me tell you, kids do a lot of wrong. They will lie to you right in the face. They, you know, some kids are great liars. Honor authority. Respect authority. Hebrews 13.7 says, Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to who? To you. To you. You know, honor authority. Honor spiritual leaders. Honor your pastors that are speaking over your life trying to help you. Honor. Whatever authority figure God puts in your life, honor. Because God will honor you. You will reap what you sow. If you don't sow humility, respect, honor, you're going to receive the same thing in your life. Amen? You need good teammates, brothers and sisters in Christ who are trustworthy, who know the way, who are humble, who are unity. I thank God that we have so many people in this church that I can say to somebody, hey, you know what? You need to go talk to this person. You need to do what they do. You know, they're good examples. They're good role models. They're good mentors. They will tell you what's right. You, know, you need a good game plan. Not only a good game plan, execution. Here's the game plan, guys. Scripture is a game plan. Prayer and obedience are how you execute the game plan. There's no exceptions. This is the game plan. This is the game plan for all of us. There's no exceptions. And be careful of what I call super spirituality. When people start saying, well, God told me this, and God told me that. I know what you're saying, Pastor, but this is what God's telling me. I've never, ever seen that go well, person. Because it's contradictory to the game plan. It's contradictory to Scripture. And then lastly... Always have what the patriots have, a never-quit attitude. Come on. We don't quit. We don't quit. No matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what your flesh wants to do, you know, your flesh wants to quit, even church. You know, we start off and we're excited. We know God's doing something in our life, and the devil comes, your flesh comes, and everything's trying to tear you and bring you back to the before picture. There's a beautiful after picture of you. In every situation, Job suffered tremendously. 
But when he got through, he had the greatest life you can possibly have. God is a good God. Amen? Proverbs 24, 16 says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. See, God will cover your mistakes. He'll cover you missing the mark. He'll cover that with repentance, confession of sin, and his grace. But rebellion and not repent of disobedience will always come to judgment. will stop you in your tracks. You'll never make it to the other side of victory. So that's what we need. We need humble hearts that are willing to walk with God and to change and obey the game plan so that we may experience victory. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening today. We pray you are blessed by our Legacy Church podcast and hope to see you soon at our church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform at Legacy Church RI. Have a blessed week.